this is um, actually called Advent Sunday, and it actually means coming um, in, in Latin. It's this idea of coming, so anticipating um, the, the celebrating the birth of Jesus and, and that whole season and looking forward to remembering the coming of Jesus into this world. And so the title, uh, oh, it's not there. Title is um, He Came Down. So this is the first um, like introduction to uh, this series uh, called He Came Down. And so we're thinking about um, the coming of Jesus. We're thinking about um, Christmas. That's what we'll be doing over the next few weeks. Um, so, yeah, this is Advent Sunday, and we're um, starting to prepare for Christmas and think about Christmas. And uh, so over the next few weeks, you're going to be hearing, um, I suppose, different sermons, different talks about the coming of Jesus. And we've got, uh, we've got that happening in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the first three Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospels, and that's because they, synoptic means they need to be seen together. So what you tend to, to find with those is that they emphasize different things. There's a lot of overlap as well in, in the Gospels, but there are things that are unique to each Gospel. And uh, one thing that's quite unique is that the, the handling of the, uh, the narrative of um, the coming of Jesus and the birth of Jesus. So in Matthew, it's quite different from Luke, for example, where in Matthew, it's more about um, linking Jesus to um, his Jewish roots, showing that, you know, the genealogy, showing that he came from Abraham and that whole emphasis on his um, having come from the descent of David. And, and we've got the, the wise men um, feature in Matthew's narrative. And uh, we've just got this whole amazing um, sense of the supernatural coming into the mundane, the supernatural coming into um, the world. And there's almost a sense of um, the suddenness of it, but also against a backdrop of it having been prophesied and a sense of it having been expected and waited for for a long time. So you've got these two opposite concepts going on. Uh, and then the, the book of Luke, of course, he, he um, focuses a lot more on the angel appearing to Mary, and we've got, um, uh, I think it's in Matthew, isn't it? The, the, or is it? No, it's in Luke, isn't it? The angels appearing to the shepherds and so on. And we've got the Magnificat, where Mary um, sings her song of, of praise and worship and acknowledgement and surrender to God for having chosen her to play such a role. And um, so we've got different emphasis. We've got angels appearing. We've got Gabriel appearing in both accounts. And there's so much happening. Um, and, there's, and there's so much revelation about it. So you read these stories and you think, you know, the wise men, it was revealed to them. And they traveled for two years to find um, the baby Jesus. And there's so much of mystery about it. There's just so much of that can't be explained. There's so much of, of just the, the majesty of heaven breaking in on just ordinary life. And yet, at the same time, the sense of it being um, foretold. And so, um, over the next few weeks, all of these kinds of narratives are going to be unpacked. And um, I'm actually going to start with John, so the book of John. Um, so the title is, He Came Down. So we're going to think about who is he, and... If he came, where did he come from? So the word down suggests something. So he came down. So we're just going to uh, kind of like explore this idea of Jesus 
and him coming down. And in the, as I said about the Synoptic Gospels, they have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John have different emphasis. And so uh, we find that Mark tends to emphasize the humanity of Jesus, and Matthew tends to emphasize more the, the fact that Jesus was of Davidic descent and the, the Jewishness of Jesus. Um, whereas John is very much more interested in the identity of Jesus. And so the other Gospels focus a lot on, on what Jesus did and what he taught. And it's very much in the now, it's very much in the moment. There are records of what Jesus did, how he behaved, how he healed people, what he said. And then there's a the sense of John, which isn't included in those three, um, the Synoptic Gospels. John is separate because he, was, he wrote a little bit later. And there's just a sense of, with John's writing, just a little bit sense of, of distance and kind of a slower pace with John. There's a lot of thought and, and depth and theology. And it's kind of like he's processed a lot of things. And so uh, John is focusing on the identity. And the bit that we're going to look at is John 1 to um, 18, which is called the prologue of John. So he even has a prologue in which he basically is setting up this idea of who Jesus is. It's like a unique theological statement of the identity and nature of Jesus. And so just before we jump in, I'm going to pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that your word does not return unto you void. And I thank you that we've already been singing a lot of what is in your scripture this morning that we're going to be looking at, about how you, you're the light of the world, how you, you broke into the sphere of the human that you created. And Lord, I just pray that you would come in revelation this morning. We just give you this time. We pray, God, that you would speak, that your word would become alive. God, we don't want to just uh, come away with knowledge this morning. We want to come away with an encounter with the Almighty God, just as the, the shepherds encountered you, just as the wise men pursued you and found you. God, we want to press in in the same way. We want to encounter you and leave this place changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so if you would turn with me to John chapter 1. So John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who received his name, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him and cries out, saying, this was he, this was he 
of whom it was said, he who comes after me has, has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. That's John chapter 1. And so it reads very much like a new start. It's very different from the other Gospels. And it echoes Genesis 1. So if you, if you think about what we've just read, so in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, and then it goes on to say, and God said, let there be light. So you've got this idea of in the beginning, and John is paralleling deliberately Genesis chapter 1, because he's got a point that he's making. So he's saying that in, in verse 1, he's saying, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. And so he's placing Jesus, it's like he's removing the backdrop and saying, right, let's look right back to the beginning of time. Let's look at who Jesus actually is. And he places Jesus as pre-existent, as Jesus who was um, equal to God, who was God and who was involved in creation. And he's saying the very God um, who, who I'm talking about, who is coming, was involved in creation and existed. He pre-existed. He was in the beginning involved in creation. And so he places him, he establishes the pre-existence of Jesus before this time. He's saying this is the identity of Jesus. And so he's very concerned about who Jesus is and making that very, very clear. So where some of the other gospels have emphasized the humanity of Jesus, he's saying, right, let's just, let's just get this straight at the beginning, who Jesus actually is, the deity of Jesus, the fact that Jesus is um, part of the Trinity. It's the first time we get this kind of grappling in the New Testament with the Trinity. And you can see the reflection of that in how in the use of words. It's, it's a very difficult concept. It's difficult to put across. You can hardly express it without seeming to contradict yourself. And so there's this idea of the, the grappling with the language. And so in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he's placing, he's saying the identity of Jesus right at the very beginning. He's placing him right back in Genesis, involved in creation, before the beginning of time. And so um, the word, um, the actual word is taken from logos, which was known, which is a word used by the Greeks and also uh, in, in Jewish circles um, to mean this idea of order out of chaos, of, of the divine creating order out of chaos. And so John is using a concept that is, that is well understood at the time amongst like, Jewish and Greek philosophers. They understood the idea of the logos, and so he's tapping into this knowledge that they had, this understanding. And in order to try and get across who Jesus is, he's connecting with that concept. He's saying, you know, the word that you talked about, this, this, this word that created, this word that brought order out of chaos, that created in Genesis 1, uh, that you've talked about, that you've written about, that you've thought about, that you've waited for, it's here. It's now here. And what, what's it like when you've anticipated something for a long time? The problem is it doesn't always look and feel how you expected it to look and feel. And that was one of the problems going on here, that um, when Jesus did come, his own people didn't recognize the way that he came, how he looked, the things that he said, 
the circumstances of his birth. I'm sure all of that's going to be unpacked over the next few weeks. And so um, it, it was difficult for them to grasp. And so John is saying, let's just be really clear about the identity of Jesus, the deity of Jesus. Um, and so it's saying that he, he's grappling with language that um, in the beginning was the word. So this word that was spoken, Jesus is now this word incarnate. So this is the word that has now come as a human being. It's a very difficult concept even to put in words and explain. And, uh, and so he's saying the word is God and the word was with God. This is and with. And it's this idea of uh, grappling with the Trinity because uh, Jesus is distinctive, yet he is the same as God. And so it's, the language is kind of reflecting that. And then it goes on, through him all things were that were made. Sorry, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And so there's this sense of, um, of John saying, this is a new beginning, just like Genesis was a new beginning. Now, this is an, a new beginning in, in history. We now have the arrival of the word that has been made flesh. And so... This, um, this concept is saying that Jesus was involved in creation, that in him is life and light. Um, and when, it, when, when, talk, when preparing for this, I was actually struggling to, to kind of like plan for it because when you're talking about things like life and light, and I was trying to think about, right, who Jesus is and then what he does, it's actually all and the same thing. It's all one and the same thing. So, Nouns and verbs are exactly the same thing. So Jesus is light, but he also gives light. He is life, but he also gives life. So Jesus is what he does. And so this concept, is that you can't really separate the identity of Jesus from what he actually does. And so it's not just that he, um, he gives life, but he actually is life. And so these ideas are... Uh, introduced now in the prologue, the idea of the theme of life, of Jesus being life, the theme of Jesus um, being light. And these are developed all the way through the book of John. So he's introducing these. And so when, when Jesus is introduced to a situation, he expels darkness. You imagine when you walk into a dark room, you just all you have to do is just strike a match. And that is enough. Just a little flicker of a light is enough to expel the darkness. And darkness can never overpower light, can it? There's nothing the darkness can do. The darkness can't snuff the light out. The darkness can't stifle the light. And so Jesus' very existence brings light. It um, radiates glory. It shines in the darkness. So wherever you bring Jesus, um, he himself, his presence brings light. It, it reveals and so I just want to say this morning that, you know, we're in the presence of God. Jesus is here. And when we're in God's presence, there is light. And the light, you know, the darkness cannot prevail over the light. And when we're in dark situations, dark circumstances in life, the best thing we can do is bring Jesus into those situations because we're bringing light and he expels the darkness. And it's when things are hidden in darkness and that, that darkness and chaos that um, sin thrives, that the enemy has a complete, um, complete control. 
And if we want to expel darkness, we want to bring, we want to see order brought out of chaos, um, we need to bring Jesus. We need to bring light and life into the situation. And just like this mirrors um, Genesis 1, where um, God spoke, and when he spoke, he created everything out of chaos. He brought order out of chaos. He spoke light into darkness. There was darkness at the beginning. He spoke light, and creation happened. And we sang about that earlier, didn't we? Heaven thundered, and the earth was born. Uh, I just love that. I don't know if, if it just says here, and it says in the Bible that, that, Jesus, that God spoke. We don't know if he spoke very loudly, whether it was like a thunder. It could have been, but it certainly had the impact of, of what thunder would have. And, um, and so just as, um, just as creation was brought about through the speaking of God's word, salvation is brought about through the speaking of God's word. And Jesus was being sent to bring light into darkness, to bring life to what's dead, and to bring order to chaos. And so if, there's, if you feel that there's chaos in your life this morning, you're in the right place because you just need to press into Jesus. You need to let that light of Jesus shine into your heart and expose the darkness and expel the darkness this morning. And so Jesus is life. He came to bring life. Um, I just want to read a quote that I read. It says, in the first creation, darkness was in the face of the earth until God called light into being. So new creation involves the banishing of spiritual darkness by the light which shines in the world. And so Jesus came to banish spiritual darkness. So we talk about Jesus coming. This is what he came to do. And then moving on to uh, verse, looking at verses 9 to 13. Just look at, yeah, so the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, though the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came so that that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So he came to expel darkness. He came to bring light. He came to create. He came to inaugurate a new era and create a new type of human being. So Jesus was the prototype of this new type of human being. And up to this point, we'd had um, people who God had created down through the, the centuries, as we read of them in the Old Testament, who um, all they had at their disposal was the law and they had the tabernacle and they had um, the laws of God that were written on stone tablets. And their prophecies aren't there in Jeremiah, in particular in Ezekiel, about how these, these laws will be written on our hearts. And um, so now John is saying, this is this new era where, you know, in the past, um, we couldn't really obey God the way we wanted. And so the prophecies were pointing to this time when, God, when Jesus would come and enable God to actually live within us, that the Spirit of God would actually live within us, so that it would enable us um, to be kind of like 
God-men in the sense that we are people who contain uh, the, the, the spirit of God within our lives, a different kind of person. And so that's what Jesus came to do, to bring us eternal life, to make that which was dead alive. And I just want to ask the question, have you, you might be here this morning, have you asked Jesus into your life? Have you been made alive? Because if we don't have this life of Jesus, then it says that we are dead in our sins if we don't have this life of Jesus. And so he came to bring us life, to bring us life that, that, God, that God and the Trinity enjoy together, to bring that supernatural life. He's saying, I'm coming to bring it to you. And he's saying, all we have to do is receive it. It says, um, yet to all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. A different kind of people, not people that are just identified by their physicality, but people who are switched on spiritually, who have a spiritual identity, who have spiritual DNA. And he also says, I came to bring grace and truth, where in the past, um, it was the law that Moses brought the law. This is the new, the new Adam, as Paul talks about. Um, he says, um, I have come to bring uh, grace and truth instead of law. So moving on to 14 to 19, thinking more about how did Jesus actually come. So we've talked about who Jesus actually is. So he was, um, he existed, he was equal with God, he was part of the Trinity, he was involved in creation, he is the light of the world. Um, then it says in verse 14, and this would have been startling, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh. So how did Jesus do this? Well, the use of the word dwell um, suggests and, and, and is a kind of a reminder of the idea of the tabernacle. So in the past, God dwelt with them in, in the, the tabernacle, and it was very much an external thing. It was something that they, a building is something that is fixed, isn't it? You have to travel to a building. The building doesn't move around. And so this idea of the Old Testament tabernacle was a fixed thing. And they had, to, they had to go to the tabernacle. But the point that's being made here is that Jesus became, he moved into our neighborhood, as, um, as it says in the message. He actually, the word actually took on flesh, became a human being. He became one of us. He came to us. And so Jesus isn't like an, a, a rigid architectural structure. He became a human being. He became one of us. He came to us. He invaded our world. He took part in humanity. Imagine the, the very God who created human beings, who was involved in that process, becoming a human being himself. It would be a bit like uh, making something with Lego and then becoming a Lego man and then the kids playing with you um, and not realizing that you're this person who created the Lego and you're just like a Lego man that they're playing with and messing around with. How misunderstood would you feel? I mean, Jesus was completely misunderstood. He, people didn't understand his identity. And so, and so John is making the point here. This is the identity of Jesus. He is uh, from the Trinity. He is God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory 
the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. So where the law was brought in the past, now he's bringing grace. He's operating in a new, this is a new era of grace and truth. This is a new era when Jesus is modeling what this new prototype, this new kind of human being looks like, which he talks about all the way through the book of John. And then he talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit, who after, after the absent Jesus, so this is the present Jesus, um, who, is, who is demonstrating what this looks like. So he comes to show us what it looks like, what living as you know, a human being with God inside you he shows what that looks like and when he leaves and he sends the holy spirit we are now in the same position that jesus was in as a human being we now have the holy spirit dwelling within us and so jesus came and he um the literal translation is actually pitched his tent among us he tabernacled among us he left heaven he left all the privileges of heaven like it says in philippians 2 And so he came to reveal God. Do you know, up to this point, nobody had seen God. Uh, nobody had seen God. So Jesus basically was saying, I have come to reveal God. That was, that's why Jesus came, was to show us what God looks like. Because we had no way of really knowing what God looked like. So Jesus coming as a human being demonstrated what God looked like. And so we see Jesus um, as a human being completely um, uh, related to his father constantly in prayer, checking in with his father constantly in prayer. He said, I don't do anything unless um, my father tells me to do it. Uh, a complete surrendered life, a completely humble life. And he came to show us what that looks like. So he came to show us um, what God looks like. And if we just move on down to it says in verse 70, for the law was given through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is the, on the Father, at the Father's side, has made him known. And so Jesus came to reveal. So if we're looking at this series, Jesus came. We know who Jesus is, the deity of Jesus. That Jesus um, came, he is basically the creator who was involved in creation. God, part of the Trinity, came, took on flesh and went through everything he went through, to even to death on a cross, to make a way for us to be back in relationship with God. Now, there's some responses here. Uh, in verse 5, it says, um, The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not understand it. Now, this, uh, the word, the idea of did not understand, contains within it the idea of didn't absorb. You know, so we would say, didn't, I don't get it. They just didn't get it. They just, they couldn't take it in. And there's a sense of that, but there's also a sense in which people rejected. People, people we always have free will. We always have choice. And there were people who rejected because they didn't like how it looked. And... And so they, they rejected. And part of the experience of Jesus in this situation was rejection, rejection from his own, um, not being understood, being misunderstood constantly. And then it goes on in verse 11, and it says, um, 
He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him, yet to all who received him. And this word receive is an active thing. It's an active thing. Receiving is not a passive thing. It's an active thing in this context. So we have to actually receive. And I just want to sort of ask this morning, um, have you received um, from Christ? Have you received that eternal life that he wants to give, that resurrection life that he wants to give? Have you actually received it this morning? And how possible it is to actually be in the presence of God. This is what is baffling. It's possible to be in the presence of God, but actually not, not get it. Go through the motions and not get it. And I read a really interesting quote. It says, this little um, world knew not Christ, for God had hidden him under the carpenter's son. His kingdom came not by observation, and so it's possible to be here and be observing. We don't enter into spiritual truth by observing, by knowledge, by head knowledge, by reading. It is revelation. And we have to have a revelation from God to really see beyond. And it's tragic when we're stuck in so many, and this is just part of the human condition, I suppose, where we get, we get stuck at the, the kind of human level, the surface level. We don't see beyond that. And this quote is saying, you know, people didn't see past the carpenter's son. They didn't see past the, the physical surface level of the kind of the identity of Jesus as a human being to actually recognize who he was. And so we've got these two layers. We've got kind of the physical veneer. Because we're human, um, we're very um, bent towards what, what is tangible, what's physical, what we can see and touch. And it takes spiritual eyes to see beyond that, to see, um, to see the spiritual, to see God, to, see, to operate in the spirit, to see beyond what's in front of us, into the spiritual realm of what God wants to do and what God can do. So we need revelation. One of the most quoted passages in um, the New Testament, out of the Old Testament, is, um, I'm, not, I'm just paraphrasing it, but where it talks about having eyes to see but not seeing, having ears to hear but not hearing, always always hearing but never hearing, always seeing but never seeing. And so there's this idea, we see it all the way through the, the records of the, um, the narratives of the Gospels. There were people who just didn't get it. And so we find Jesus crucified in the end, don't we? Because people didn't recognize who he was, or in some cases they did recognize who he was and still wanted to reject him. And so in order to receive... Um, we have to have revelation. And it says in Ephesians 1.18, and this is Paul writing in Ephesians, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And so this morning, church, we need to know who we are. 
We need to know our identity. We need to know that if we've asked Jesus into our lives and we've received him, he's given us the power to be sons, sons of God, sons and daughters of the living God. Um, 2 Peter 1, 4 says, Through these he has given us these very great and precious promises so that through him you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. If you're in the, in the grip of evil desires this morning, then you need to participate in the divine nature. The only way to get out of some stuff that is gripping, that has got us chained, that has got us in repetitive cycles of, um, of addictions and wrong thinking and things that pull us down, things that take us into sin. It says, actually, our identity is we have the very DNA of God in our lives, and that's what Jesus came to do, was to give us the very power that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling within us. And if we want to escape and we want to avoid the corruption and the sin and all the things that the enemy wants to do to pull us down. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy. He's out to destroy your life. He's out to pull you down. And the only way to do that is by participating in his divine nature and believing it and operating in the precious promises that he's given us. So we need to start being very, very intentional about thinking differently about who we are what our identity is. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And we need to be um, not just saved once, we need to be continually, if there's a present continuous sense in terms of salvation as well, that we need to be being saved constantly by reading the word. Because there are situations that we are in that only the word can conquer, only the word can overcome. And so it's not a once and for all thing. Yes, our identity is sorted once and for all, but in order to live and to really live in the fullness of uh, the light of the gospel and the, the life of the gospel and to see the miracles happen and the resurrection power that is, is our disposal, the only way to do that is to participate in um, reading the word and connection with God through prayer. And we want to, we want to just see heaven come down, don't we? want to see heaven come down in our situations, in the situations of our families. And the only way we're going to do that is by participating in the, knowing that we're, we're different on the inside. But some of us live like there's really no big change. Some of us just don't grasp the enormous power that is at our disposal. And the fact that we can be we can be changed. We can be people who confront giants without fear the way that David did. So David had the right kind of sight. When he was confronted with Goliath, he was able to see clearly what was what. He wasn't intimidated by the physical in front of him. And so often, you know, we're confronted, we're intimidated, we've got, we're full of fear, our courage fails because we're not seeing clearly, we're just seeing with physical eyes, we're just seeing the, the natural situation in front of us. We need to see the supernatural God, and we need to, to, to be aware of who we are. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And he says that power that raised Jesus from the dead is what dwells in us. And so we just need to be people who press into that. And so I would just encourage you this morning as we come into this season 
where there's just so many distractions coming up to Christmas, you know, the lights and all the materialism and the commercialism and the parties and all the emphasis that there is. Let's, let's not be people who just get stuck on that kind of surface level. Let's participate beyond that. Let's, let's participate with God who became flesh and dwelt among us. Let's just pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. Thank you that your word brings life. And you can't be around without changing things. You can't be around without shedding light. You can't be around without bringing life. So God, I pray that you would bring life to dry bones this morning, to dead things this morning, to chaos this morning, to darkness this morning. I pray, God, that you would bring order, that you would bring light into dark places this morning. And I pray, God, that we would be intentional in receiving you, intentional in spending time in your word and absorbing your word and recognizing who we are in you. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.